www.rosenthalwealthmanagement.com. The following program is sponsored by Rosenthal Wealth Management. Rosenthal is a registered representative offering securities and advisory services through Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, a broker, dealer, and registered investment advisor, member FINRA SIPC. Satera is under separate ownership from Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Rosenthal Wealth Management Group is located at 9265 Corporate Circle in Manassas, Virginia, and can be reached at 703-330-3100. Chris McKay is not affiliated with Satera Advisor Networks, LLC, nor Rosenthal Wealth Management Group. Bob Jones is an employee of Rosenthal. Wealth Management Group and affiliated with Satira. It's time now for Making Money Sense, live with Larry Rosenthal. Larry is recognized as one of the nation's leading financial and retirement planners and is here to answer your questions right now. Author, speaker, and talk show host Larry Rosenthal is dedicated to teaching others financial stewardship from a biblical point of view. Call Larry now. Studio lines are open at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense is on the air. Well, good morning. Welcome to the Larry Rosenthal Show. And we appreciate you listening here today. And here in studio with us is Larry Rosenthal himself. Good morning, Larry. Well, good morning, Chris. And how are you today? I think we're going to be okay. You're at an undisclosed location. If you're looking on YouTube today, I can see. (laughs) This is true. This is true. (laughs) Always glad to see you here in the mornings on Saturdays. And remember, it's open mic Saturday, right, Larry? It is. It is. Definitely. You can uh, join us by watching uh, on YouTube this morning at LarryRosenthal.tv. And I'd like to continue to welcome our longtime listeners on WAVA in the D.C. Baltimore area, as well as our longtime listeners now on Sirius XM nationwide, coast to coast, border to border, and on, on Sirius uh, Family Talk, Channel uh, 131, FM uh, Sirius XM. So, yes, Chris, it is open mic Saturday, which I love. Yep, because it gets any any questions at all, we, we'll, we'd be happy to answer from estate planning <clears throat> to the stock market to cash flow to some new stats are out that about 40% of people may run short in retirement. We're going to talk about that today. Uh, we'll talk about the economy, the Fed, corporate earnings, whatever's on your mind today. It's Open Mic Saturday. Dial us up this morning here at 855-ROSE-123. 855-ROSE-123 or 855-767-3123. I always like to start the show off, Chris, each week with, you know, hey, what happened in the market this past week? And boy, did we have a broad-based rally yesterday, didn't we, huh? Markets were up huge yesterday. Why? As a matter of fact, I was doing some back-of-the-envelope math this morning on the way in, and I was like, you know, hey, maybe... uh, How many more days would the S&P have to have like this in order to get us back to where we were at the beginning of the year? The number is eight, just about eight or nine more days, just like yesterday in the market. And the the S&P 500 would be back to just about where it was at the beginning of this year. Can that happen fast? Why did it happen yesterday? What's What's the reasoning behind it? And the reasoning is because... We had some encouraging economic data that showed um, uh, inflation numbers on PCE, personal uh, personal consumption and expenditures, which is the Fed's number one measurement. It came in right at expectations, still a little bit higher, okay, but it wasn't running hot. 
like it has in the past few months. It wasn't below expectations, but it hit them right there. So maybe things are really starting to shape up from that standpoint. And also, a rosier outlook uh, also helped uh, propel the markets up yesterday on earnings. Corporate earnings are coming in. They're just a little bit stronger. Now, this past week, I know we had uh, some of the big box tech companies miss on earnings and brought the markets down a little bit, but only to rebound, uh, coming back with some other positive. So in the tech space, you're actually going to start seeing a bifurcation for the first time since, I mean, 2008 maybe, between this type of tech company and that type of tech company. So it's important to understand what you own and why you own it going forward from that standpoint. But, you know, when you look at when you look at the Dow, you know, we got the Dow, the S&P, the Russell, um, uh, the NASDAQ, I mean, just the Wilshire, all, all different indices out there. Just take a look at the Dow. It's on pace to have its best month, believe it or not, in October, which is usually the historically the worst month. But it could be on pace to have its best month since 1976. Pretty powerful numbers there as far as that My, goes, right? Man, I was uh, so, very yes, young back then. <laughs> yes, there has recently been a big wow. bounce off autumn here uh, across NASDAQ, across the S&P, small caps, the Dow, all types of stuff. And this is what we've been telling people all along the way. You know, when 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 the markets start to turn and, and don't don't get me wrong, we are not out of the woods yet. We are not there yet. You know, all this happened yesterday in this past week or two. But this is the second Friday. Boy, there's so much information. This is the second Friday that the markets have pushed up very strong, meaning that that investors really aren't that concerned about being long in the market over the weekend. OK, they, they like their position going forward. So so, you know, when when you see a market coming out of the bear, coming off the bear, coming out of the bottom, these these first few moves, when it happens, are very, very large. And this is the risk of people missing the bounce, missing the recovery. Because by the time we get down the road to somebody saying, hey, it's green, it's, it's, it's all good again, right, it's okay, by then the markets have repaired themselves. And so all this is flying in the face of the Fed meeting next week. You know, uh, November 1st and 2nd, and they're going to probably announce, right now there's an 82% chance that they're going to announce on November 2nd a 75%, uh, not a 75%, a 75 basis point or three or three quarters of 1% rate hike. Yeah, 75% now, would be pretty crazy, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, it would be. And then all of a sudden now yeah, all eyes are going to go on to what they say and what's going to happen in December. Mm-hmm. But at some point... The Fed is going to have to pause, and when they make that pause, you know, will the markets continue to celebrate like they did the other day? And and, and when you look at what happened here uh, the last couple of days with the Bank of Japan, the ECB, uh, Central Bank in Canada, they've all slowed down their pace of rate hikes. They've said, you know what, we're going to start slowing it down now, and that's an indication that we're close to the end of this thing. You know, and and here in the U.S., we're also clo- we're closer to the end of this rate hiking cycle than we are the middle of it or the beginning. Okay, well, that's exciting is, news, actually. When you think it about is. It. The question yeah. is just when do we get there? Because we are not there yet. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, in two weeks we're going to get the inflation numbers for October, the CPI headline and core. We'll see how that reads. We just got PCE the other day. Earnings are coming in a little bit stronger. So you know things are are. Uh, 
are, are, are showing strength in the economy while at the same time slowdown. PMI, Purchasing Managers Index, is starting to slow down, showing contraction area. Uh, which is good news from an, from a pricing standpoint for inflation numbers. We've also seen just this past week here, uh, you know, r recently, uh, the, just the other day, the first pass at GDP, you know, uh, gross domestic product. The last two quarters were, were, were underwater, were negative. This one, estimates were at 2.4, came in at 2.6. So there is strength in the economy. Uh, corporate balance sheets look very, very strong. Banking looks very, very strong. Consumer still strong, yet we still have this. And maybe those are the reasons why we have so, the, these battles with inflation, right? But at the same time, we're starting to see, you know, the, as the cookie crumbles, right, you start to see the edge of the cookie starting to crumble. That's what we're starting to see with some of these inflation numbers. And I've been telling everybody this is a time thing. We have to push through this cycle. Once we push through this cycle, you know, you, you, go, you step back and you take a look at the fundamentals of this. Monetary policy plus fundamentals equals asset inflation, asset appreciation, right? And so as we move closer toward the end of this monetary policy tightening cycle, all eyes are going to focus on fundamentals. And the corporate earnings are still coming in good. Now, they're coming in less, weaker. You know, if we didn't have this inflation and the Fed raising rates so much, they'd be coming in a lot stronger. But they're still coming in in a positive way. So, so you know, things look pretty good out there from, from the standpoint of not where your market, not where the statements of your investments are today, but where they're hopefully going to be at some point when we do get this Fed pause. And let me explain this. I've had a lot of questions the last few weeks on a Fed pivot and a Fed pause. What's the difference? Well, historically, let's break this down. Historically, the Federal Reserve would raise interest rates to a peak and then turn around and pivot and start dropping them right away because they overshot. They raised them too much for too long. And they realized, hey, you know what? We went too much. So we pivot and we start lowering rates to, to, to stimulate again to avoid a recession or bring, one, or bring us out of a recession. So this time around, and it's going to be interesting to see what language they have to say around this narrative next week, but they have been saying that they anticipate doing some sort of a pause. That seems to be the narrative that has changed the last two and a half weeks that the Fed's going to continue to raise rates, but then at some point they're going to pause, meaning they're going to keep rates at a higher restrictive level for a while. So, so think about it from a standpoint of rates going up, then they stay there for a couple of months, several months, who knows, and then at that point, then they're either going to raise again or they're going to lower. So the Fed pause is one step closer to to the end of the cycle that that everyone's waiting for so all in all you know we're we're, we're not there yet but we're closer to the end of this than we were uh, just a few few weeks ago, a few months ago. So, so some pretty good news from that standpoint. Then we're faced with a new type of an economy, an economy that's still going to have slightly elevated inflation and slow growth on corporate earnings. Going to require, after a market recovery, a different 
portfolio than we've been used to over the last several years. So, so get ready for some rebalances. Make sure you understand where the puck is going as far as that goes. So, hey, it is open mic Saturday. There's the narrative on the markets and the economy, what we're looking at down the road and around the corner a little bit. Uh, so give us a ring this morning with any of your financial planning or investment questions at 855-ROSE-123. That's 855-767-3123. Making Money Sense, I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. There are still too many countries that give little or no assistance to disabled children. In third world nations, these children could be left alone while parents try to eke out a living. About 10 years ago, residents of Prince William and Fauquier counties in Virginia formed Children with Disabilities Fund International. It focuses on the needs of disabled children. CDFI's current work in Jamaica and Kenya supports about 300 disabled children and their families. For some of these children, they're getting the care they need for the first time in their lives. CDFI recently began an individual child sponsorship program in an effort to better meet the needs of these disabled children. To choose your child to sponsor, go to thecdfi.org. That's thecdfi.org. Your gift will help transform not only a disabled child's life, but the lives of their parents and of the surrounding community. Go to thecdfi.org. Make a difference. Go to thecdfi.org. Right now with your questions, 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. Coast to coast from the nation's capital, this is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Well, welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. 855-767-3123 is the number to call. That's 855-ROSE-123 to talk to that guy, Mr. Larry Rosenthal, if you are watching us live on LarryRosenthal.tv. Larry. We are back, Chris. And again, you can check us out at LarryRosenthal.tv on YouTube this morning. Uh, see how the show's done. Uh, <laughs> two out of three of us are here anyway, right? Yeah, exactly. Two out of three ain't bad, I guess. Uh, uh, there you go. That's right. Hey, so some news, uh, uh, some headline news came out uh, just the other day, um, actually this morning. And I wanted to pick this up and, and talk about it because it, it is a little concerning across the country when it comes to retirement planning and income. And, and and they're talking about a big gap, and and this is this is coming from CEO of TIAA, uh, Fasunda Brown Duckett. She oversees 1.2 trillion dollars of assets in the healthcare systems, nonprofits, colleges. A lot of zeros. You know, yeah, a lot of zeros. That's right. And and she's talking about that. Basically, there's about a 40 percent. That means she's saying that about 40 percent of Americans are running the risk of running out of money in retirement. And when you sit down and you take a look at 
at, at that and you unpack it and you look at the that this is you know October is the fin- financial planning month, right? You, you you have to start asking some questions, and and where do you ask these? Where do, where does this begin? And just thinking about this, uh, we recently hired some 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 uh, young people out of college in our firm, and and uh, this year and and. Um, you know, we're trying to teach them, and they're asking us the questions and, and all this kind of stuff, and it was kind of neat. And we were explaining to them the importance of getting on a system to start saving right away. <clears throat> because back in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s, there were more defined pension benefit programs around than there are today. Today, the onus is on you and I as individual investors, employers, employees to save money for ourselves in 401k plans or 403b plans or, or government thrift plans, whatever the case may be, versus having you know pensions because people end up changing jobs 12 times on the average during their career. And when you look at that, you know it's very difficult to have all these pension plans around. So, so we want to break down, you know, how do we go about getting things rolling as far as uh, building financial plans and making sure that people understand what they're on pace for. Before we continue that, though, I want to go ahead and pick up a caller. Let's pick up uh, – oops, there we are. I hit the wrong button. There we are. Let's welcome Don on the line from Tennessee. Good morning, Don. How are you today? Oop, Don, are you there? No, he's I'm, I'm here, yes. Yeah, go ahead. Y- yes, sir. How can I help you? Yes, sir. How can I help you? Yes, Larry, I'm trying to find out about uh, real estate investment trust. I've got a lot of S&P 500. I'm just trying to look into REITs to see where they would play a role in my portfolio. I'm I'm just a – I'm trying to figure out, is that something I should be dabbling in or should just stay in in, in the stock market, really? Okay, Don, let me let me break down the REIT market for you, R-E-I-T, and understand this. There's two types of REITs mainly. There's a private REIT and a public REIT, okay? The private REIT will say, let's put money in, and then down the road somewhere, as we get more and more investors piling money into this REIT, we will take it to Wall Street one day and go public maybe three years from now, maybe seven years from now, whatever the case may be. But as a result of you investing in it privately before it goes public, we'll pay you a dividend, let's say maybe 7% or 8% or whatever it may be, okay? And they keep the price fixed at maybe $9.50 a share or maybe $10 a share. So every month you see your money sitting there, not going up or down, but you get your dividend each month, okay? Now, the challenge with private REITs are if you wanted to pull money out of it before it goes public, that's usually at the discretion of the board. Now, they they, they do allow it, right? But sometimes there's a penalty, and that penalty can be carried forward for several years inside that private REIT, okay? So you have liquidity concerns, and then you have the concern of, well, what's it going to go public at? Because if you bought it at, let's say, $10 a share, just so I could do math easy, okay, and now four years later it goes public, it might go public at $8 a share. Or it might go public at $14 a share. We don't know, right? So you're, you're getting your income along the way, 
But in order to get your income from the dividend in a private REIT, you've got handcuffs on it because you can't pull it out unless there's a penalty in most cases. Now, each REIT is different, and you have to read the prospectus to go over that, okay? But if you flip the page and look at the other side here of a publicly traded REIT, you can go buy a publicly traded REIT that's already gone. It's, they call it POP, public offering price. It's already gone public in the market. Now you know you can get into it and out of it in the same day with no penalty. You know what the price is on that day, and at the same time, you also know what the dividend yield is. And a lot of times those, those publicly traded REITs are yielding a higher amount than the private REITs are. So, so I, I'm thinking of some now that are, that are you know, 8 9 10% dividend yields on publicly traded REITs. One of the advantages of a publicly traded REIT over a private REIT is that you can put a stop loss under it. In other words, let's suppose it's trading, let's say, again, for $10 a share, okay? This is the public REIT, Don. And you say, all right, well, I'm going to put a stop loss in it at, at $9. That means if it drops down to $9, it automatically sells you out. So you can have downside protection with that. In a private REIT, you are totally at the whim of however Wall Street prices it at the time it goes public. You have no control over downside protection from that standpoint. So, so there's two types of REITs. There's a public REIT and a private REIT. Go, so now that we have an explanation of them, going back to your question, should you dabble in them? Let's take a look at the investment objective. The investment objective of private or public REITs is income first, growth second. The primary investment objective of it is income. So if you're in a position where you say, hey, you know what, I'm retired and I need to take a piece of my portfolio and carve out maybe a third of it and put it into income-producing stocks, you'd look at high-dividend-paying stocks, you'd look at REITs, you'd look at you know, financials, energies, you know, uh, telecom, those types of stocks, and get yourself a blended rate of 6 7 8% dividend yield, right? Um, that's where a REIT would come in play from that standpoint. So if you're saying, if you're comparing that versus the S&P, the market, as you talked about a moment ago, Don, and you're looking at more of a longer-term growth, you're probably better off in the S&P from that standpoint. So my point is that whatever your investment objective is out there, there are products and tools designed to meet that investment objective. And if you want some information on the different types of REITs, I'll be happy to send you out that. We, we, we can come up with some information and, and, and take it a little bit further. But does that help answer your question on that? Yep, yep it, it did. So this is your, you, this is a short-term way of making income is what you're saying. That's a, that's a short – It's a, it's a, you don't like it in the long term is what you're saying. You no, I didn't say that at all from a, from okay. a long-term perspective. You know, I, 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 have, I, I know of people that have bills that come due every year for certain items, and they put money into REITs so that that dividend's paying each year that bill for them to, to, to sustain. So you can hold a REIT for long term. It doesn't matter as long as that REIT keeps kicking out that, that handsome dividend, that, that thing's just going to keep on paying. So, so if, it's, if it's more of a, a long-term growth that you want to have, you might be better off somewhere else. But if it's more of a long-term income distribution, 
then a REIT would do well. And again, now you've got to deal with private or public. I personally lean toward the public because it's liquid. I can put stop losses in it. And it usually yields a little bit higher. Does that, does that help? You still there? I think you might have dropped off there, it looks like. Oop. Let me put him on hold here, Chris. Maybe he'll come back. But anyway, that's a great question. And, and, and you know, rolling that forward into <clears throat> a, a little bit further, as I was mentioning, there's any type of investment desire out there that an investor has. There's a, there's a, a portfolio you can build and design around that. There's, there's tools, whether it's annuities or ETFs or high-dividend-paying stocks or whatever the case may be. Whatever the investment objective is of the investor, trust me, Wall Street's come up with an idea uh, in, you know, in order to, to meet that investment objective through mutual funds or whatever the case may be. So very good question. Rolling back to, to you know, this is the last week here, obviously, of Financial Planning Month in October and, and taking a look at some of these stats that just came out here. We, we see that, that she's talking, you know, she, she was, again, we're talking about uh, – the Sunda Brown Duckett, who oversees at TIAA lots of money in, in nonprofits, colleges, healthcare systems, et cetera, and things like that, talking about, you know, there's a chance that, that about 40% of Americans can run out of money in retirement. And, and, you know, that goes to the financial plan. That goes to education. And, and you back it all the way up to somebody coming out of high school or coming out of college. You know, we've done a very poor job, at least in high school, and overall in college, in my opinion as well, except for certain classes, certain, certain majors, of teaching people about money, how to handle money, how, what it does, how it, how it works. No. Exactly, exactly. I remember I never knew how to write a check until I actually went <laughs> to college, went to, the, went to the store, and I pulled out my checkbook, and I had to have somebody help me figure out how to write a check. And, you know, I was like, how do you write a check? You know? And look at you like, now. You can use a credit card. Amazing. That's exactly right. <laughs> yep, yep. Where'd my debit card go? Anyway, that got taken a long time ago. So, <laughs> so you know, when, when you really boil it down, this comes down to education. And we have to understand that it's, that it's the time value of money. You know, you take a look at a, at a very simple scenario here of let's, let's take a, a, you know, a 27-year-old. You know, just getting their feet wet in their career, just starting to save money. Obviously, at 27, your income is probably going to be lower than it is at, say, 57, right? So, so does that 27-year-old want to put money on the pre-tax side of their IR, of their 401k plan or on the Roth side of their 401k plan? They would probably lean toward putting them, they should lean toward putting the money on the Roth side of their 401k plan because their income is, is, in the, is lower today as they age through, as their income grows over the course of their career. Then they might want to start putting money on the pre-tax side. But when you look at the compound uh, interest with time value of money, having all those dollars you know, mount up for yourself in, in retirement from, from tax-free side, that's a better strategy for a younger, lower-income type of, a, of a, you know, person saving dollars. And when you, when you, when you sit down and you take a look at, at, at this gap, this income gap in retirement that they're talking about here in these articles, it, you know, it's, it, it, it does come down to savings. That's what it does come down to, and it comes down to discipline of that, and it comes down to, um, you know, 
proper investment uh, understanding also. You know, and it's and it's and, and and I know it's I know it's tough. You know, it's tough for everybody. You know, especially these days with the cost of inflation. You know, uh, some some days, unfortunately, the the month outlasts the dollar, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. and we need to flip that around. But but I just want to sort of drive home the point of you know we need to be you know tithing. We need to be saving and investing, and then let the rest of the world fight over what's left. You know, from from that standpoint. Build out the financial plan. Take a look at what you need. Do you like your standard of living? I was I was working with a, a, a new new client this past week, and she was actually saying she said, you know, well, how does it look? You know, how, how much do I need and everything? And I said, you know, we're asking the wrong question here. Let me ask you this question: Do you like your standard of living? And she said, yeah. She says, I'm comfortable. I, I've got, you know, money. I can, I can go on vacation. She goes, I really, you know, my standard of living is fine for us. And I said, well, then let's build a financial plan in such a way that we maintain your current standard of living through retirement years. And she was like, well, that makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And so this is really the first thing that you have to look at because there, there's so many people out there that, that go about this wrong. They say, well, you got to get to this number and you'll be okay. No, uh-uh. You have to take a look at your current standard of living because you're probably not going to change it too much, right? And and so that that's my point is is to really sit down and take a look at what your expenses are, your your income needs, build out a financial plan. Hey, if you want to get a copy of our financial planning toolkit, th- this will really get you started on the on the road to that. You know, give us a ring eight five five Rose one two three, or simply go to my website LarryRosenthal.com. Shoot us off an email. We'll be happy to send you out our financial planning toolkit. Chris, we're going to take a quick break here at the bottom of the hour, so let's keep the phone lines open. Give us a call this morning on Open Mic Saturday with any questions you have on estate planning, taxes, mortgage, interest rates, the stock market, your retirement plans, whatever's on your mind this today. Give us a call, 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. I'm Larry Rosenthal. We'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. another money minute with larry rosenthal we've all heard the more risk you get the more opportunity there is for growth in returns in your investments however can you have too much risk in your investments so that you get diminishing returns you can only water ski behind one boat at a time make sure your risk adjusted return is aligned with your investment objectives Fox Business, CNBC, and The Wall Street Journal. Larry Rosenthal is here right now to take your calls at 855-767-3123. That's 855-ROSE-123. This is The Larry Rosenthal Show. Well, welcome back to The Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, we've got a number here for you, 855 
877-3123-855-ROSE123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal live here in studio, sort of, kind of, 855-767-3123. Larry? Sure, Chris. You know, we had our Roth uh, conversion webinar this that past week. That was a week. load of fun. I enjoyed that. That was good. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty good. You know, for those of you that were on there, saw what happened when you had computer crashing problems right in the <laughs> middle of it. But we we pulled through and, and uh, were able to get it all done. So yeah, it was fun. That was a good thing. It was funny. It, it was, you know, <laughs> timing. Think of the odds of that. Anyway, um, but, you know, I, I wanted to, to, to come back this week and I wanted to talk about some of the top questions that we had in the Roth conversion webinar. And we will do another one uh, coming up next month. It will be on a different subject, but, but stay tuned. We'll be putting that up on our website here probably next week uh, for our November one, as well as market update commentary and things like that. But some of the top questions were, you know, could I convert? And, and, and people, uh, under, the, the two main driving forces, if you will, behind the question of should somebody convert traditional IRA over to Roth is, one, you want to have tax-free income for yourself later down the road in your retirement years, and two, because you want to pass assets on to your heirs. Those are the two baseline reasons why people want to convert from traditional IRA over to Roth IRAs. Uh, the second question was, well, where do I pay this tax from? Because when you make a conversion, let's suppose you convert money in, in uh, 2022, you have that money drops onto your tax return for this year. You have to pay taxes on it. Question is, where do you pay those taxes on? And uh, we'll pick that back up here after we bring Tammy on from Maryland. Good morning, Tammy. How are you today? Hi, good morning. Is this Larry Rosenthal? Yes, it is. How can I help you? Hang on one second. I'm trying to get away from the, the phone. Uh, I have a question for you. Um, I I am self-employed, and um, I I do companion care. And um, my client's um, family, in addition to my pay, they want to give me a $16,000 gift. And I guess I have a question on that how that works as far as taxes go, um, if that's a flag to the, the IRS, because I am, you know, they are paying me plus giving me that gift. Well, I Tammy, that, that, that gift is, is perfectly tax-free to you. You don't have to report it. You're perfectly fine. The IRS code yeah. allows for anybody to give a gift, you know, uh, of up to $16,000 per year per person. For example, um, I could gift you $16,000, and Chris could gift you $16,000 for a total you would receive of 32000 and you wouldn't pay a dime in taxes on that. Let me get my checkbook out here for you, Tammy. There you go, right? Okay. Now, yep, so that, can I use that? They're thinking that it can lower my income as far as what they're they're paying me. Is that from? Well, if you, if it, let, let's just do some math. Let's just say that suppose they're paying you $40,000 a year and then they give you a mm -hmm. gift of 16000 on top of that. That 16000 is going to come to you. You could do whatever you want with it and it's income tax free. You'll pay taxes on the 40000 through your normal business, but then they're just giving you like Christmas stocking money. Is what they're doing, and it's perfectly legal. 
So then that would just be an addition. So I would be paying the taxes on the 40000 and then the 16000 would just be the gift to me. Okay. That's exactly correct. Now, if they were to gift you 17000 now we got a different issue, okay? Because the issue would be the the let's say the husband would gift you sixteen thousand and the wife would gift you a thousand. They can still do that perfectly fine. That's called a split gift. But if okay. the gift if the person giving the gift exceeds the limit of sixteen thousand, for for example, uh, the the husband could gift you sixteen thousand and your husband sixteen thousand also. Depends how much they want to gift out. Okay. okay? You're allowed okay. to gift to any other person. Make sense? And and yeah. the, the recipient of a gift never pays the tax. Always remember this. The recipient of a gift, no matter how large it is, never pays the tax. The giver okay, has to pay the tax if they exceed limits. Okay? okay. So, yeah, okay. so it's a great thing. Yep. And you know what? I actually have a, 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 a couple of p- papers on that. If you want, I'll, I'll be happy to send it out to you. Oh, I, I would love, I would love that. Now they were thinking that it would lower the 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 my annual, you know, um, income that they're giving me, but that's not the way it works. That would be a well. It's not going to lower their income unless they choose to lower your income and give and make up the difference with a gift. Is that is that um, is that kind of sketchy with the IRS? Because I think that's what they were thinking of doing. Like it wasn't an extra. Say here's an extra sixteen thousand for you. They were saying, well, let's lower your your income by including that. You know what I mean? So is that legal to do? So it depends on giving the gift is perfectly legal. Okay, it depends on how. You know that that means you're putting less money into social security contributions for yourself. Right. Okay. So right. so you know you need to talk to your tax preparer about what bracket you're going to be in now versus moving to another one. Um, but it's it's they're allowed to give you that money. That's fine. I'll send you out the yeah. the, the the rules on the gifting okay, if you I want. Okay. That. Yep. Let me put you on hold, and Chris okay. will get your contact information, and we'll send you out the gifting rules. Okay, Tammy. Okay, thank you so much. Absolutely. You have a great Bye-bye. weekend. Appreciate the phone call. You listen to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Again, it's open mic Saturday. Any questions at all, give us a call, 855-ROSE-123. So getting back to some of the questions here, Chris, that we had from the webinar, you know, how do I pay the taxes? Uh, where do I pay it from? You know, if, if you go ahead and convert, let's say, $20,000, you might owe $4,000 in taxes, and, and you do not want to then end up sending the IRS that $4,000 out of the converted money, so you're only investing 16000 into your Roth. That's not good. Your break-even point is further down the road, so you want to go ahead and pay the converted money out of income or another source. Usually the source would be uh, a bank account of some sort, some place where the money has the least probability to grow the most in the future. And then the third time, third question we, we, we had that was the most popular, uh, again, doing both these webinars, and we had people from all over the country on these webinars, and it was, so it was a lot of fun, got a lot of questions. And, and uh, another one was, you know, is it a good time to convert? And yes, this is a very good time to take a look at converting because your stocks are down. You can move those shares over, end up paying a lower tax, 
money-wise from where they were last December, since they're down now, move those shares over. When they come back, now all of a sudden you're going to get the growth on the tax-free side of the ledger on the Roth side. So now is a great time to really take a look at doing some type of a conversion uh, from traditional IRAs uh, over to a Roth IRA. Hey, let's go ahead and welcome Lorenzo on the line. Good morning, Lorenzo. How are you this morning? Uh, looks like we got a little bit of a problem with that one. I'll have to put him back on hold, and we'll talk to him in a second. I'll call him back up. He's on a little bit of an issue. Yep. I don't know what happened there, but we heard some <laughs> tunes coming on, right? <laughs> heard some go. tunes. All right. So, hey, we're, we are in the fourth quarter this year, you know, and uh, one month down of it, right, pretty much. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, let's start thinking about, you know, year-end giving and things like that. Donor advised funds we've mentioned throughout the year, but, but uh, you know, we take, take a look in, in, in Scripture here. It says, do not withhold um, – I actually lost the verse here in front of me. So, But it does say, do not withhold good from those whom, do, whom it is due when it is in your power to act. And do not say to your neighbor, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. You know, we, we, you know, as Christians, we want to be in a serving position of others, sharing position of others, helping position of others. So be thinking about that, you know, with your charitable donations, your mission ties and things of that as we move toward uh, the Christmas season this year. All right. Is Lorenzo back on? Yeah, he's there. Lorenzo. Hello? Hello, Lorenzo. Can I help you? Should be able to hear us. Lorenzo, are you there? He's having some phone issues today. Oh well, we'll try this right, again next no time. No worries. <laughs> yep, I see. Hey, we I see. We also got to take a quick break here. Let's uh, sure. let's keep the phone lines open. Again, we got about fifteen minutes left in the show today. Give us a ring eight five five rose one two three. That's eight five five seven six seven three one two three. Hey, and don't forget also go to our website LarryRosenthal.com, dot com and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and um, LinkedIn. Uh, we send out uh, some some uh, Facebook market up commentaries and updates. You can also sign up for our newsletter, which is free. We send out a weekly market commentary. Um, I know it gets pushed all around, and we get comments on it. So uh, check it out at LarryRosenthal.com. Give us a ring at 855-ROSE-123. We'll be back in a moment with more Making Money Sense. Listening to Making Money Sense live with Larry Rosenthal. Phone lines are open for your retirement and financial planning questions at 855 Rose 123. That's 855 767 3123. More Making Money Sense in a moment. And here's another Money Minute with Larry Rosenthal. Proper financial planning starts with a firm foundation. Don't jump up to the third rung of the ladder when you're trying to climb to the top of the roof. Make sure your insurance is aligned properly. Make sure you have the right types of homeowners, auto, umbrella, disability, long-term care, life insurance, just to name a few. Financial planning starts with a firm foundation, and that foundation is your insurance. Then take a look at your cash flow. Are you able to save money? Save it in the proper places. Retirement planning, traditional IRAs, traditional 401k plans, Roth IRAs. Make sure that the dollars are actually working for you towards your investment objectives.
Delivering sound financial advice you can depend on. You found the Larry Rosenthal Show. Call now with your questions, 855-767-3123, or stop by LarryRosenthal.com. This is the Larry Rosenthal Show. Well, welcome back to the Larry Rosenthal Show. If you'd like to dial in, 855-767-3123 to talk to Larry Rosenthal, who's here in studio with us. Larry? Sure. Let's welcome Judy on the line. Good morning, Judy. How are you today? Good. How are you guys? We're doing well. How can I help you? Well, uh, last year we gave, um, at least I think I was last year. Here's my question. We gave um, a large check to our daughter and her husband. And um, it it did not exceed the the gift um, amount, but he um, okay. My question is, does the um, does the gift count from when we wrote the check or from when they cashed the check? When they cashed the check. Oh boy. Okay. Be- because when you wrote the check, you could also cancel yeah. the check, right? But it's when they cash Correct. the check is when it's considered the the uh, gift given or however you want to call it. Yep. So it's when they cash the okay. check. Okay. Okay. And so we could give. Okay, I'm just gonna ask. If we could give sixteen thousand to each child from me and sixteen thousand to each child from my husband, and they would not pay taxes on it. The recipient of the gift never pays the tax. It's the gifter that could be subject to a gift tax penalty. And, yes, that is correct. That's called a split gift. So you and your husband, you have child A. Child A can receive okay. 16 from you and 16 from your husband. You can also, if child A is married, give 16 to, to child A's spouse each as well. So you could do as much as $64,000 to one child's family in there. Great. Okay. Well, thank yep. you, and you guys are doing a great job. And I love the I love the verses that you are that you are quoting. Thank you for doing that. That's good stuff. Absolutely, Judy. Well, it's a biblically based financial planning show. It's what we've been doing for a long time. So we we enjoy talking about the Lord Jesus and and money and you know understanding the role money has for us. You know, it's His and and our role is good stewardship with it. Judy, I'm going to put you on hold real quick, and uh, we'll send you out uh, all the information on giving, uh, gifting rules and things like that, okay? Thank you so much. Absolutely. Have a great weekend. Appreciate the phone call. Let's welcome uh, Gina. Gina on the line from Maryland. Good morning, Gina. How are you? I'm great. Yourself? I'm doing well. How can I help you today? Well, I I appreciate your show. I'm uh, in my senior years, I'm in my 60s, and I'm kind of late to the whole financial saving, investing. I would just like some direction in terms of how would I start. I am first thing working. that, Yeah, first thing that I would do is I, I would be happy to send you out our financial planning toolkit, and that's going to sort of draw a line in the sand and take an inventory of where you are. It'll talk about your income, your expenses, any 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 debts you may have, um, any assets. It'll take a look at all of that for us, and then from there, then we can start building the road toward retirement income and and things like that. So that's the first place that I that I would start, Gina. Okay. Okay. Yep, I'm going to go Great. ahead and place you on hold. Chris will get your contact information, and then we'll give you. Uh, we'll have someone follow up with you next week with the financial planning toolkit. Okay. 
Okay. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Appreciate the phone call. Have a great weekend. If you listen to Making Money Sense, dial us up. Give us a ring here at 855-ROSE-123. Let's welcome Chris on the line from California. Good morning, Chris. How are you today? I'm doing fine. How are you doing? I'm well. How can I help you, sir? Well, i am uh, uh, worked hard, hard all my life, and I'm uh, a part uh, non-voting stockholder in a company that's selling the other half to the ESOP. And so I'm getting a lump sum for some reason. They're doing a big uh, distribution, like two-thirds of the, of the uh, purchase price of the stock. So I'm going to end up with a very uh, over $200,000 lump of change. And I'm just, uh, you know, I'm not very good at how I keep most of that. Or am I just going to have to just pay straight taxes? Is there any is there any advantages or anything uh, any investments that can be done before the end of the year? Well, yeah, I mean, once you get get those dollars, you will have to pay tax on it, okay? Um, from the ESOP distribution, but then your net dollars, you can go ahead and make an investment, and that's not a problem at all. All right. Yeah, any so specific so, investments well, the, as far as a specific investment goes, you know, if are there any specific ones? Yes, and the specific ones need to be tailored to your objectives. For example, Chris, you might say, hey, I need this money to grow for another seven years, let's say, and then turn it into income, right. whereas somebody else might say, no, I need to pull income off of this money right now. So the first step is really, Chris, that to, to, to sit down and let's discuss – what your objectives are, where you are, what your goals are with this, your time frame, your risk tolerance, liquidity needs, all of that stuff. That's the first step. Right. Then we would go look to see the specific investment types to make it match for what your objectives are. You know, you're, you're, you're getting a windfall, and we want to make sure that we take this windfall and make it produce more fruit for you and your family down the road. Right? Okay. Right now, there's not really any kind of uh, tax investment to avoid with the capital gains tax. I would have to take a look at to see if you have any capital losses. Do you have any capital losses carry over from prior no. years? Do you have any investments today that are not inside of an IRA that are down that you can sell off and do some tax harvesting to offset? Do you have anything like that? No, my only yeah, my only investments are four hundred one k. Okay, so then this money is going to come in. You'll pay the capital gain this year, and it'll go into a, a, a non-IRA type of an account. Over the years, what will happen in that account is, let's say you have 10 different investments inside that account. Maybe a year from now, investment number three is down midway through the year. We can sell that off and harvest a little bit of a loss, reinvest it in something else the very same day, so when that stuff starts to come back up, it still continues to grow, but then we book a capital loss on your return to offset any future gains down the road. So there are there are tax harvesting measures that you can do year in and year out, and it adds a lot of value to, 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 to people when, it, when it's done uh, from that standpoint. I'll tell you what, Chris, if you like, I'll, I'll put you on hold, and we'll have somebody reach out to you and maybe take that conversation a little bit further for you, okay? Okay. Thank you. 
Yep, let me put you on hold, and Chris will get your contact information. Appreciate the phone call. Have a, have uh, you listen to Making Money Sense? Give us a ring at eight five five Rose one two three. That's eight five five seven six seven three one two three. Let's welcome Sarita on the line from Virginia. Good morning, Sarita. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. How can I help you this I, morning? You know, uh, my husband and I are in somewhat of a precarious situation. We decided, well, we were building a house during COVID. Um, we had our life savings set aside, and we had a, a set mortgage amount that we expected to pay. And our idea was that the life savings that we had, we used that to reduce the actual mortgage amount, which would then make it uh, capable for us to pay it off before we retire. So we were looking at building this house, um, using our funds, and then paying off the mortgage within six years. Uh, COVID expenses ate all of our um, funds for that and more. So now we're looking at the full mortgage amount plus uh, almost 100000 that we're calling. My question is, looking at turning over certain 401k penalties, my husband has to step. Um, you know, there's always capital gains, but of course we're going to be paying taxes at a higher tax rate. So in general, do you think of anything else that we should consider? Off the top of my head right now, Sarita, without looking at these numbers in front of me, um, here's the solution, and you already know it. We need to get through this speed bump right now and make sure that whatever's left over is still strong enough to produce retirement for y'all. So, you know, I, I really need to get a, a look at numbers. Then I can come up with some ideas on maybe where to, to take some money or maybe even sell the property, uh, just different things like that. I, I, I would really need to look at the numbers uh, versus giving it to you right now and telling you what to do because I don't know what the numbers are. And I, I don't want to cop out on the answer, but that I, I really need to drill down onto those numbers. Does that, does that make sense? I mean, I, I, I want to give you an answer. But I, I just don't want to say, yeah, sell the property and walk away or pull money out of your 401K and mortgage your retirement to do this. I don't want to say that. Let me look at the numbers first. And I'll, what I'll do is I'll have, I'll have one of our uh, advisors give you a ring next week. I'll place you on a quick hold. Chris will get some contact information from you, and then we'll, we'll take this, this, the next step further for you. Is that okay? Okay, appreciate the phone call. Let me put you on hold here real quick. Hey, you're listening to Making Money Sense. Give us a ring, 855-ROSE-123, 855-767-3123. Let's welcome Deborah on the line from Florida. Good morning, Deborah. How are you today? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing great. How can I help you? Okay, I have a question. I just recently sold my home, um, and I have like over 200 dollars I Deborah, here's what we're going to have to do here real quick. I just got music in my ears, which means we've got about 45 seconds left in the show. So I'm going to have to put you on hold, and then I will pick you back up uh, in about 37 seconds. How's that sound? And then I'll be able to answer your question. So let me put you on hold here so I can close out this show real quick. Um, Hey, so... uh, where are we? I see the clock there, Chris. We got to 
cram it in, right? You, you can catch us next Saturday morning with another uh, session of the Larry Rosenthal Show, Making Money Sense. Don't forget to visit our website, LarryRosenthal.com. Follow us on Facebook and uh, check, sign up for our newsletter. So for Chris in the back today, I'm Larry Rosenthal. Have a wonderful week. We'll be back 